podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. It is Friday, there is free practice, and my name is Freya. So I think we can call this a special episode of Free Practice Fridays with Freya. It's been a while, but here we are. Now there's a bit to cover in the world of F1 news this week. And we are finally at a lovely circuit, which I am absolutely sure is going to see some great racing. I love a straight track, but I'm excited to be at Barcelona. So let's get stuck into it. First up, McLaren have hired Rob Marshall. So probably some of the biggest recent news is that Rob Marshall will start as Technical Director, Engineering and Design for McLaren from the 1st of January in 2024. So this is a role within the F1 technical executive team with Peter Prodomu and then David Sanchez from Ferrari, which we've talked about a bit before in a previous episode, filling those other two roles. And all three of them, of course, then reporting into Andrea Stella, who will be the team principal. I think the remit for Marshall will be working on the 2026 car and we're all thinking what you're thinking which is that McLaren are hoping that they've got Adrian Newey's black book um, after 17 years with Red Bull and has memorised some of his his tricks and, and knowledge. Someone who McLaren did also um, approach when it comes to joining their technical executive team. Marshall was chief executive officer at Red Bull and McLaren are really calling this a fundamental step in getting back to the front of the grid. Interestingly, McLaren's approach is extremely people heavy. So when we talk about, you know, their strategy to getting back to the front, it seems to be very people heavy. And as I mentioned, I think that his remit, this is Rob Marshall, is very much going to be working on the 2026 designs when we get those news reg- new regulations that come in. So it's unlikely that we're going to see some of that Red Bull magic in 2024. It's going to take a while for some of those changes to come into play. But like I said, that strategy is very people heavy um, in terms of bringing people in at a really senior level. And my hope is that there's much more that goes with that because people are important beyond a doubt, of course, particularly in such a technical technical excellence kind of area. But they, those people also need empowerment. They need technical excellence that's technical excellence that extends, say that quickly three times, they need technical excellence that extends throughout the entire McLaren group and a winning culture that goes with it, which isn't just about saying that you want to win and you're willing to spend money and hire the right people to win, but genuinely believing that you can win and behaving accordingly. That's the difference between wanting it and actually having a winning culture. So I hope that there's more that goes with hiring at senior levels that help bring McLaren to the front for the, you know, for the hopes and dreams of of Oscar Piastri, if nothing else. Lando Norris did say to Lawrence Pareto in Monaco that the team currently have one of the worst cars to start the season with that they have had for the last five or six years. But like I said, these new guys don't start until next year. It's going to be a while before things can begin to change. Lando does seem to be a bit more optimistic about this weekend um, based on the pace that they were able to show in Monaco. So it's all looking up for them. 
Next up, it is Pride Month. So I'm recording this on the 1st of June. So we are officially kicking off Pride Month. And it started with the announcement that Red Bull Racing and Racing Pride are partnering, which makes Red Bull the third F1 team to be an official partner of Racing Pride. So ambassadors of Racing Pride have already visited the Milton Keynes campus. They've met with their internal LGBTQ plus employee resource group to share lived experiences of working in motorsport as members of this community and to help direct that team's further actions in this space. So Racing Pride have been working with Red Bull to create a program of initiatives designed to raise awareness um, and also to foster a really genuine uh, effort to take further actions in this space. So I think what's really interesting here is that we talk a lot about kind of actions and words and that type of thing. And what we see through the work that Racing Pride does is exactly that. You know, it is actual action taking place. Um, So they've been delivering pride and allyship training courses with employees across Red Bull and more work is planned there and also working with them to work with their internal HR department to review internal policies and processes as well as communication. So not just about saying that we have these goals and that we, you know, have these values as a business, but actually partnering with the right organisations to help achieve them. Because to go full org psych just for a second, I know it's an F1 podcast, I promise I'll come back to it, but to go full org psych just for a second, from what we can see that's happening here is that is you know is really encouraging, particularly that part around action and and goals as well, because what often happens in efforts to shift a part of an organisational culture is that things don't always align, uh, which obviously makes people feel uneasy about how authentic, genuine, or significant those those values are. So, for example, people might look at policies but then behaviours in the business don't align or vice versa. Or there's a lot of communication, but then there's a lack of action to actually support that. And, of course, there is the classic one, which is not involving the people who are part of that community to be part of the strategising when it comes to future planning. So ultimately that proclaimed ambition in this space has to align with structure, systems, staff, the style that is the the behavior of the organization the skills so knowledge and awareness and paired with a really clear strategy all of those things need to be aligned in order for for this to be a success and while it might be really early days of collaboration the work being done in partnership with racing pride is looking really great the other part of this is that of course this is really symbolic when it comes to fans and also to F1 as an organisation because, of course, we remember this is a team. So this is obviously leading the way, which we do often say with, with teams first um, and is really encouraging to everybody in um, the sporting community, particularly for the LGBTQ plus community and really excited to see what else comes from Racing Pride throughout the month of June but then also beyond as well. <laughs> next bit of news is F1 Juniors. So this is pretty fun. Sky Sports and F1 will be creating F1 Juniors. 
essentially what it is is F1 feed, an F1 feed for kids. So from a production perspective, Formula One are providing a dedicated international feed including bespoke graphics, sound effects and other special features, so 3D augmented graphics and particular camera angles that are going to enhance the broadcast for younger viewers. Now, for now, I believe this is only for UK and German audiences, but they're actually not the first ones to do it. So the Premier League had um, Premier League juniors, um, which had a similar similar thing for young fans. They came and joined um, as hosts and they got to try out different broadcast roles, which will also be what's happening at, um, at the Hungary Grand Prix. So Sky Sports One presenters will be accompanied by three very young fans. We're talking like 10 to 14 years old. So Tommy, I'm sorry, you're you're too old. Um, And they will be conducting driver interviews. They will be presenting. They're even going to give it a hand at commentating. Um, And so they'll essentially be co-hosting the entire weekend. So they'll be joining Nico Rosberg and Danica Patrick as well post-show as part of F1 Juniors from Budapest. So very interesting to see what they're doing in this space, obviously starting to think beyond kind of I suppose the traditional audience for Formula One. And Ian Holmes, who is the director for media rights and content creation at Formula One, has said that they want to ensure that their fans of all ages can enjoy and fall in love with Formula One. So working with their partners at Sky, um, this project is obviously to target younger audiences. I think it's really interesting that that idea of falling in love with a sport. You know, we all have our origin stories when it comes to how we got into Formula One and it will be really interesting to see um, how this plays into that for for really young fans. So on a slightly more serious note, um, another piece of news that came out this week was that biofuel trucks for the European races will be used this year. So F1 and DHL have announced that the European part of the season is being hauled around by 18 new trucks using biofuel. So what this is going to do is help to reduce carbon emissions in comparison to a regular fuel by about 60%. And there may be further savings beyond that that I haven't really explained, but that's kind of the starting point of it when it comes to that reduction in emissions. And there is 10,600 kilometres we travelled across those European circuits, so significant um, reduction when it comes to overall um, emissions across those, those circuits and in that travel. The other part is that the trucks will have GPS monitoring and not just to helping them to go between races and uh, make sure they know that they are going to the right place. This is actually there to monitor fuel consumption and then optimise different routes, which is then going to help them to reduce carbon emissions while also maintaining the same level of performance in terms of load capacity and also travel distance and that type of thing. So interesting to see how GPS is being used there to, again, um, kind of create those further savings that they've mentioned. But logistics are a really, really significant component in terms of where the improvements need to be made if Formula One want to reach their net zero by 2030 goal. All right, quick chat about Oscar Piastri who said that he is looking forward to a traditional track. 
And this trade is actually not about Oscar Piastri as much as the fact is so is everybody else, including me. But like I said, he's not the only one. It's been such a street-heavy season um, so far. And without Imola, this is the weekend that we'll see upgrades that teams chose not to run in Monaco. We know we're getting new side pods at Ferrari. We've started to see what they look like. They're much more Red Bull-esque to absolutely nobody's surprise. Um, And also those who did choose to introduce their changes in Monaco, they're going to learn a lot more about them this weekend. So Hamilton has said, of course, that they couldn't really see the true efficiency um, of those upgrades and, of course, performance of their upgrades. And they're looking forward to seeing how what they can actually do in, in Barcelona and really get a thorough understanding as to what those upgrades are doing and how they're affecting the car and performance. But it's important to mention that the track has changed a bit. So notably, the removal of the chicane on the final corner is going to make this a much higher speed circuit. So tyre degradation could come into play, which makes me concerned for Ferrari, but could favour the likes of Williams who have said that, you know, it's those slow speed um, corners are are not their their strength. So they're excited to see how those changes could actually benefit their performance this weekend. But speaking of tyres, it brings me to the last piece of news we're going to cover for this week is Mick Schumacher. So Pirelli tyre testing following the Spanish Grand Prix, we'll see Mick driving W14. So as we know, Mick is the reserve driver and he joined Mercedes after he was left without a seat at Haas. And he and George will be doing the tyre testing um, following the Barcelona race. So George on day one, Mick on day two. Mick's work so far has mostly been in the simulator and then trackside. Um, Mick has really said that he was seriously impressed by the simulator and talked about how advanced it is. And do you know what this reminds me of? It's kind of the inverse situation of Bottas going from Merck to Alpha and realising just how advanced the Merck was, but obviously then having a much more comprehensive understanding as to where some of the big gaps are between these big teams um, and some of the smaller organisations. The other thing that Mick said was that, which, which I thought was interesting, was that working with the engineers as a reserve driver is completely different. And I think this was really helpful for me when it comes to understanding how much people who are not drivers, but whether that be reserve drivers, third drivers um, or development drivers can learn even when they're not on track. So he said that as a driver, you usually don't get to hear what's going on between all the engineers when you are out on the track. So listening in during sessions has been really interesting. And he said that he was shocked at the season opener in Bahrain because he didn't expect the sheer amount of exchange that happens. So how much talk there is between all of the engineers in the garage that he didn't hear when he was when he was driving for Haas. So obviously that is helping him to develop um, when it comes to the ins and outs of the organisation and then helping to provide feedback as well. So that was quite insightful for me. I think sometimes when we see reserve drivers, I wonder, um, you know, if they feel like they're adding as much value as they want to, but it's really working both ways in terms of what you can learn and absorb while you're at that business, but then also being able to provide that feedback. And he said that he's spending as much time in the simulator as he possibly can 
to make sure that he's he's adding value wherever possible. Okay, that's it for this week in news. Thanks for hanging out with me this Friday. If you want to support the show, the very best thing you can do is subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a rating or review. It helps people to find us and it means so much to all of us as well. You can also pick up some merch. We ship absolutely everywhere in the world. Can't confirm if we use biofuels, but maybe we should set some goals around that. (laughs) See you next time. Podcast Network.